You're listening to Fly By Night, a podcast by FedEx Pilots for FedEx Pilots. Brought to you by the FedEx Master Executive Council of the Airline Pilots Association. And now, here's your host, MEC Communications Chair, Captain Chris Lee. Back with me on today's podcast is Scheduling Chair, Captain Marty Harrington. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks. This is your first podcast of the new year. What's been going on since peak? We're adding some 767 South America routes coming in the fall. The staffing continues to get better month after month. We're retiring guys at 65. Our bid line guarantees at the time, this is going back to January, we're stabilizing a normal range for most bid packs. Actually, the first officer seat is better staffed. We're a little fat on the captain's side, so we're top heavy. We would like to see some more movement out of that, but uh, first officers getting staffed, they were pretty well in January. Last year, we had 77 resignations and 176 retirements. Planned retirements for 2024, another 160. And out of that number, only 32 are under 65. Uh, So far this year, up to today, we've had 12 resignations. So that number continues to be a concern for everybody. We're not hiring, as I said. So the, the modeling for staffing is continuing to get slowly better. Again, that's as of today. Postal contract could change a lot of things, age 67. But at the SIG quarterly, everything was tracking reasonably well. Again, you can only say as of today because of the stock market crash. Stock market's on a tear. It continues to hit highs. And what drives FedEx is the economy. So if the economy continues to get better, we're going to continue to get better and make more money. And we're starting to hear about pilots getting draft and volunteer. It's slowly moving up. We're going to see more and more of that as I start talking about build week for March. Well, let's just start there. You're in town this week working on the March build. How's that going? So just today, this morning, we had our fatigue risk management quarterly. On a sad note, I do want to mention a good friend, Pat Haggerty, passed away just a couple of weeks ago. and He was the leader of that group up until Rob and Dave took over. Since 2015, the CBA in 2015, 2016, we started the new fatigue risk into disputed pairings and that sort of thing. Sleep kits, data collection, FERC parameters, must fixes, sleep rooms, the wake-up program, communications from that all started with Pat Haggerty's leadership when he was running that department. Rob has taken over and done an outstanding job, and we went through a lot of things that they're working on currently. But I do want to say Pat Haggerty, he was a good friend, a great person, a great volunteer for ALPA. He paved the way for a lot of these things moving forward. So yeah, I'll say, you know, back in the day, back in the day, because I've been here forever and, you know, become an old man, but you called him fatigued. You would get a call from a manager asking, why did you call him fatigued the next day? When you called him fatigued, it was irregularity report and they got all that fixed. They don't do any of that anymore. We've come a long way in the past eight years. And a lot of it was begun by the leadership of Pat Haggerty. And I'll miss him. This week. So we got prelims 12 days ago. And things were looking okay. And again, just like in January for February, now we're February going into March. Prelims, we got a second set of prelims. We got our finals. And we got a a second set of finals. Every set was increased hours. As I've talked about targets or bid line guarantees, the company requests where they want us to build the lines to. In January, the Memphis MD-11 was at 60, was what the company requested our BLGs to be 
built to. A lot of buy-up was being used and costing the company money in that regard. The company wanted us to build lines 16 and a half hours more than January. Well, Marty, where's all this flying coming from? Mainly it's international. A lot of routes going through Anchorage over to Cannes and back. And we had, what, 14 bid packs that we're using buy-up in January. We're down to eight. And most of the buy-up is just uh, an hour or two now. So I see buy-up ending. I see draft volunteer on the rise. And everything I hear is that we're going to continue to gain more international flying. So, again, I don't know how many times to say it. As of today, <laughs> things look very positive. I want to stay positive. I, you know, Hopefully, this continues in positive direction. We do have some issues, as we always do. The Anchorage 777 commutability is still a problem. We published the February bid pack. It was five-week bid month. We had over 40 darts within 72 hours of publishing that bid pack. It was not positive. And yeah, I want all the Anchorage pilots to know we are doing everything we can to try and fix these issues with commutability. The problem is the last bid where a guy could bid out was 2101. That's three years ago. We had the bid 2301, but that was primarily to eliminate Cologne, LA, and the Anchorage MD. They didn't give positions open if those guys wanted to leave. When they bid that domicile, it was commutable. And now it is not. Over 80% of the first officers commute. And again, there's a spectrum of pilots. There are some pilots that live there. Some pilots on the captain's side more live up in Anchorage than commute. But it was such a drastic change last year over how the pairings look and if they're commutable. And slow change is fine, but when it drastically changes and there's no opportunity for these guys to bid out, it's become a hardship on many of these guys. And some of them went up to Anchorage right from being hired. And we're told, yeah, it's commutable base. You, I live in Seattle. Yeah, you can do that. And that's changed. We're addressing it. We've had more meetings, more discussions. We brought in our Anchorage piece at Builder, and Mike Piercy came in on their off week to work with the planners to try and get a better solve going. It is slow getting improvements, but I want every pilot to know we are going to get these improvements. We're slowly moving in the right direction right now. Well, you mentioned credit hours were up. How does this compare to last year? If you compare our credit hours, they're comparable to the lows we were hitting. They're above the lows we had in the summer of 23 with hundreds less pilots on property. So the situation in March is markedly better than it was July, August, September last year. And you mentioned earlier eliminating Cologne. How's that progressing? So since last year, we've seen roughly a 35% reduction in European flying. Obviously, we lost Tel Aviv. That was planning on coming even before the start of the political issues there and the war. But we're continuing to see a decline in cities. Vienna stopped in December. Tel Aviv stopped in December. EMA to LGG stopped in January. And we anticipate three more cities possibly losing come April. EMA, CDG, Madrid, and Munich. In March, we'll have 18 lines of European flying. In April, we'll have 12 lines of European flying. 
So depending on where the European flying ends up as they close the domicile, there's roughly 120 pilots there that will be absorbed into the 7576 system or whatever airplane they bid. However, hopefully I, I will see that offset with other increases, like I said, in, in the flying down in South America and other international flying that we're seeing. Well, Marty, let's talk about some emails you get from pilots about scheduling issues. Sure. We just had one recently from a pilot. Uh, it was on revision. And just to be clear, revisions and extra pairings don't go through the same review process as bid pack trips do, do they? No, absolutely. Like we said, all the bid pack trips have multiple reviews. We have prelims, we have finals, the PSIT reviews both sets. And then this is another distinction I want to make. There are two separate departments here. We have crew resource planning. They build all the bid pack trips. They follow a set of rules in the CBA on how bid pack trips are created. And then there's CRS, crew resource scheduling. Those are the schedulers that call you up on reserve or tell you about a revision. They work under a separate, a different set of rules. And we won't find out about X pairings or revisions unless we get a dart from a line pilot. So we appreciate when we get feedback from them. And the SIG and PSIT don't have any direct relationship to CRS. We deal primarily with CRP, planning. Scheduling, we'll get to see them at the SIG quarterly, and we'll, if there's a recurring problem or something in revisions or ex-pairings that we've seen over time, we'll bring that to the manager of CRS at that time. But that's correct. We don't get to see those revisions. We just don't have the access to revisions and ex-pairings unless a pilot actually brings it to our attention. So we do appreciate that. Okay, well, let's get back to this example you were talking about. Yeah, so the flight, it added a staging leg from Dubai World to Dubai, and then it was going to continue on to Milan. The revision pushed the block time over 735. Now, 735, if you're over 735, you get an RFO according to International Hard Parameter 4. Hard parameters and soft parameters are primarily for crew resource planning. And as such, uh, that's what I told the pilot. I said, yeah, it would be nice to get the RFO on, on that trip, but it's still legal. And crew resource planning does not have to add that RFO. And I said, when I go to the next SIG quarterly, I'll bring it up and ask if when they do make revisions like that, would they add the RFO? So when I was doing the research on this pairing, I found this was a voluntary assignment. And in the SIG notes, I put this in a number of times in the SIG notes, buyer beware. You should review every trip that you're picking up voluntarily. You go into open time, they're drafting. In the 2015 CBA, they actually made a change that said they'll allow you the time to review the pairing before you accept a draft trip. But I believe it's every pilot's responsibility to look at a pairing. In this email, he said he thought the pairing was unsafe. And for me... We all have a vested interest in the safety of our flying. If you believe a pairing is unsafe, you should not pick it up voluntarily. Well, some pilots will say that based on the parameters of the trip, I don't have to look at that because that's your job to make sure that the pairings are correct. Right. But as I said before, the planning rules are different than operational rules. Operational has a bigger window to build different things. Again, they don't have to adhere to soft parameters. They don't have to adhere to hard parameters. Regardless of that back and forth, 
again, I'm always going to take these issues to the manager of crew resource scheduling in hindsight and say, yeah, can we do it this way? And again, as I said, we were under the impression that they don't adhere to any hard parameters or soft parameters. I went in, I asked the manager of CRS, and he said, no, we do adhere to that 735. He said, in this case, because it was an added leg, because the two legs, the software didn't catch it. But going forward, they will strive to add that RFO on there when operationally feasible. They will do that. Well, Marty, thanks again for coming. Any final thoughts? Sure. A couple of things, notes this week. Up in Anchorage with the issue of commuting, we have traditionally disputed a couple pairings. Uh, they'll be in the SIG notes. Hopefully we'll get a text caster on those. And we're not used to traditional disputing. Back in 2015, I brought this up again. There are two tracks for disputed pairing. The primary track that we follow the majority of the time is if fatigue is the sole reason for the dispute. And those go to the fatigue risk group. They analyze them scientifically. They'll do data collection. They've had FERC parameters come back. We haven't had as many of these, what we call traditional disputes. It's a system chief pilot track. But we say, yeah, we have a problem, not just fatigue. Maybe fatigue is, is one factor, but there's other factors. So there's a number of pairings to look out for. They can only be picked up voluntarily. They won't be built on lines. You can get them in secondaries if you request them. And if they're still available for open time or they'll be assigned to a reserve. But it's different. I'll put something in the SIG notes talking about the traditional fatigue track, but it's, it's different than the majority of the disputed pairings that we've had previously. And a lot of the newer pilots around here haven't been subjected to that. And lastly? Yeah, end on a positive note. I like to end on a positive note. International hours are way up. MD-11 hours are way up for March Buy-ups are slowly decreasing, almost negligible in most bid packs, and staffing continues to get better. So as of today, as I say on the podcast many times, things look, they're looking up in the future. So hopefully this trend continues, the economy continues, FedEx continues to make a lot of money, and our pilots continue to make a lot of money. Well, thanks, Marty. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Chris. And thanks for listening. If you have any questions, please go to our website, fdx.alpa.org, and utilize the DART link. And as always, be safe out there and we'll see you next time.